In every generation, there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the Slayer. Sort of friends talking nerdy. This is Tim Jowsman on the line. We have Mora. Say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. And we also have another guest too, and we're actually uh, recording from his lovely home. Tell the folks here who you are. Hi, I'm Jason. All right. Yeah, we uh, co-workers at the. <laughs> yeah. You sound so polite. <laughs> Out of all the rude people on this show, yeah, it, by the end of this, we'll have them cursing and swearing, you know. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, as, as, you know, as with uh, most of the people on the show here, um, Jason is a co-worker at the uh, good old strip club. And um, we were we were talking at work one day, and he mentioned, why not bring up and, bring up and, bring up Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Talk about it. Um, that kind of co- coincided with a sale of the complete series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I came across that cost me all of $30, and I thought, hey, what a topic. So we got Maura involved, we got Jason involved, and we're going to talk about that here momentarily. But first, when we get a new person on the show, we have to ask you, what's your nerd origin story, Jason? Well, I'll take a step further back than Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because if I have a, a nerd origin story, it's honestly probably really Buffy. Uh I'm, I wish I was a bigger nerd than I am. Buffy is still that thing for me that I, I carry a pretty deep obsession for. Um, but as a, as a kid, I definitely went through a series of, uh, a few different series of books that would be my nerd origin story, if anything. I definitely was a big goosebumps nerd back in grade school. And oh, oh, Animorphs as well. That's an embarrassing one that I, uh, hopefully you'll never do an episode. I, I will not go on it. But yes, I, I know a whole lot about Animorphs and the um, oh, the red-tailed hawk. I always wanted to be a red-tailed hawk because of Animorphs. But this episode's not about Animorphs. It's definitely about Buffy. And that's the thing that is my claim to fame as a nerd, if you will. I can just hear Sterling right now going, dude, Animorphs is legit. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> Maybe we'll save that episode for him. But uh, anyway, with that, let's uh, talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's a show that came on the air in 1997, but as most folks know, it actually started off as a movie in the early 90s starring Christy Swanson and Donald Sutherland. Um, it was written by Joss Whedon, but that was the only real involvement he had with that, mo- with, with, uh, that movie. Um, and then when he finally got some cachet in Hollywood and the WB came about, boom, he got a chance to do the Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, show that he really wanted. So um, since Moore is uh, calling all the way from New York and is being a trooper here by uh, being on the phone with us while with the flu, um, what were your first thoughts about Buffy? Um, So real quick, you forgot a couple of, from the movie, you forgot Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) Which 
always cracks me up, and also Wesker Howard, who um, I love. I, always, I think he's an amazing actor, and I thought it was funny that he was in this movie. Um, I actually saw this movie in the theater, believe it or not. Um, and, oh, and Perry, because he was big and from Beverly Hills 90210 at the time this came out. So, um, the movie was interesting. I wasn't a huge fan when I saw it in the theater. Um, it was okay. So when I, I remember when this, when it came out, the series on TV, and I remember like, uh, it's probably gonna suck. <laughs> How was I wrong? <laughs> and thank God, because it, it was such an amazing series. And it's funny as the way it developed and the way it went about. Some of the episodes and the characters they came out with were just amazing. Like I just could not wait. Like I was, I seen every episode. I was glued every week. To watching it, my sister, who is not a horror movie fan, she even got into it, and that was, I think, her series that broke her into that genre because she never really like she was actually she was a Chucky, but like anything horror movie, anything something scary, she was just like not into. But that totally changed it for her. Um, so it has, uh, I, I just loved it. So. Um, that's just my quick take on this. Uh, I could go on, but I'll allow Jason to give him a chance to get into it. <laughs> you have been allowed. <laughs> what is your, what was your intro to Buffy? So for me, I actually was uh, not late to the party, but late to the farm party compared to my family. And uh, a little bit of useful backstory: my family uh, are all Jehovah's Witnesses and. <laughs> They were fans of Buffy from pretty much day one. (laughs) I didn't get it. I was young. I was a kid. I was probably about 13 or so when I first started uh, watching Buffy. But uh, it's because the whole family did every single week when a new episode was. And by midway through season two, I was absolutely captivated. And as the series progressed, it became increasingly interesting how... Uh, I would watch this show with my family that really uh, broke a lot of the barriers that I, the, the moral barriers that like Jehovah's Witnesses espouse. So it was definitely strange for me watching it in the time and place that it was as a kid. Uh, it's definitely on rewatch that I've been able to separate myself from that part of it and uh, full on nerd out. I, I, the reason I laughed, um, my ex-wife was a Jehovah's Witness. So mm. when you said that, it really did explain uh, explained you a lot, and I think <laughs> yeah. you, I think you know what I mean by that. Um, you know, and it it, it uh, it's. it's, it's and also, too, how the, the, it, my ex's family kind of had the same thing when it came to entertainment, because I know Buffy is the vampire slayer is not going to be on the cover of the Watchtower anytime soon. But you would, <laughs> I, you would think, I mean, I, I'd probably go back if that was the case. But, um, I, you know, it, it's 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 interesting that you, you do have, you know, people that espouse that type of lifestyle. And then in secret, they're, ooh, Buffy's on. Yay. <laughs> Oh, boy, the way that folks can rationalize whatever it is that they're actually interested in uh, and try and still fit that within that moral compass, it's a a (laughs) tightrope. 
Well, I will say for me, um, the first the first time I ever heard of Buffy was was the movie as well, and um, I did love the trailers for the movie, but I've never seen that movie all the way through. Um, when I've seen, really, yeah, I, 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 you know, again, it was if you're just taking the movie into account, the movie is a great concept, you know, and and from the mind of Joss Whedon, you know, no no kidding, but it was mm-hmm. not executed, um, it was not executed. Executed correctly, and and I think you know the the movie did kind of leave a bad taste in my mouth to the point of when the show was originally on the air, I did not give it a chance. Um, and about ten years after it came out on uh, net when it was on Netflix, I decided to give it a try and then just binge watched it all the way through, um, and, and and definitely loved it, and definitely it hit the it hit the tone that the trailers for the movie promised but did not follow through on, in my opinion. Well. So what's interesting is that certain things in the movie, in the season one, they try to keep, like, certain things the same. And it's funny, like, this is certain things, like, I I had issues with, a few issues with the series, nothing major that ever, like, I would speak bad about, you know, about the series, but there's certain things where I, I'm one of those people where it's like, Certain things, like if you're going to start with something and, you know, something about the character, it should be consistent. And it always kind of irks me that writers, as, you know, as a, as a character develops, it's kind of like, oh, let's just throw that out the window and it never happens. Because, like, the one thing that I was thought was hysterical in the movie was that Buffy, her warning system that vampires were nearby is that she would get cramps. I thought that was hysterical. I mean, no guy would ever have a warning system like that. So I thought it was hysterical that, you know, here she is, a female, and like she's complaining about cramps, and next thing you know, she's being attacked by a vampire. That's a very very shitty spider sense, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great. I thought thought that was original. (laughs) I thought it was funny. And in the first... At the first few episodes, and you know, in, in the first season, they they actually carry that over. But as obviously, as time went on, that just went out the window. It was just one of those few things that it's like, okay, let's forget about it and move on. So I don't know. That kind of bothered me a couple of times. But like I said, nothing major. Well, remember too, though the show is actually a sequel to the original script that Joss Whedon wrote, not the movie itself. Um, Dark Horse Comics, right. yeah, Dark Horse Comics actually um, pr- um, pr- printed uh, a comic version of that original script, which beat for beat uh, matched the original movie, but was not as humorous in tone. Well, it wasn't, but like you said, it wasn't supposed to be a match. Like, the first, so mind you, I have not watched the series since it aired. Like, once in a blue moon, I'll catch a rerun, but, like, I, I, I just don't have the time. I really haven't watched it. So, like, I'm doing all of this by memory. Um, and I remember in the first episode, it's supposed to take place, like, after after the movie where it's like, you know, she was one of the pop in the movie, she was one of the popular girls and crap you know, shit hits a fan and all that. And now she's in a new school and she's not one of she has to kind of start over and she's not the popular kid and she's an outcast and she has to make friends all over again. 
Um, so I kind of like, I like that that's how they went about it. It's not like, okay, let's remake the movie real quick and start from scratch. I thought that was good in that sense. In um, retrospect, I really like that too. Uh, season one is shaky because it's balancing what came from the movie with what the series ends up becoming. And I always have a hard time rewatching season one. Usually when I binge the show, I will kind of honestly jump right into a few episodes into season two. Uh, when everything's hot, it's perfect, but, uh, there are a lot of things that they're like the type of comedy that, that, uh, is in season one. The type of ways that we see Buffy as a 16-year-old girl in season one, there's some really, really like lovely things. And it's the best of her um, as, a, a, as an outcast in some ways, and when that just kind of gets introduced early on. I really I'm always like the way that they build right from there, even if season one's kind of... Oh, Boy, there's a lot of the special effects. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's painful to watch, honestly. Yeah, but they did have a... Uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, they, they, it, season one, though, was a good start. I'm glad it was a mid-season replacement so they could have that very tight, uh, concise story compared to what they were able to get away with some, with some of the later seasons. Um, and I think some of the actors involved, I think, uh, you know, one of my favorites from season one is uh, Cordelia. Uh, Charisma Carpenter. I mean, on paper, there's really not much to that character, but um, I think she was able to bring a lot of depth to that that other others may have missed. In season one, you think that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right from the beginning? Mm-hmm. Okay, because... But, but did that... Sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but like, to just piggyback on that, but that's what I loved in the sense where, you know, um... Her character, um, oh my god, no, um, what's her, you just mentioned her, um, Cordelia. Cordelia is it, like, that was kind of like who Buffy was, and the fact that here she is, and she has to, she's not part of that crowd anymore, and she realized she evolved from the movie because of all the stuff she, you know, that happened and that she went through. So that's why I kind of love the fact that they, they took her, you know, this is the aftermath, and now it's like she sees that with her old life, and she sees how, like, superficial all of them were and are, and she knows what she needs to do in order to, as much as she wants to be a cheerleader and be part of that life, it's not happening. Um, so okay. that's why I kind of love for the fact that, like, as, as, What's the word? I, the word's not cheesy, but the fact that like it's campy and it was fun, but at the same time it was still kind of a serious undertone where it's like she's just a high school girl trying to fit in in a new school and that was her own life and they're just not accepting her. I fall in love with Cordelia's character as the show progresses. Season one, I always I have felt... to ask. Yeah. Jason, I'm sorry. So you're saying that... Did you love her the way it evolved to the point while she was an angel? Because I was not a fan of that. So... I my feelings about her and angel are complex. So I'm not sure I... I, Like, I'm... 
I love Cordelia. I love Cordelia even as an angel up in the sky uh, in the last weird, strange seasons of Angel. But um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like like season two and season three, Cordelia are great in Buffy. She becomes her own strong woman in Angel, which is, is, is great. But in season one, she's this one-dimensional character that's purely that foil for Buffy. Um, she's got great, like, com- biting comedic lines. It's such a perfect character, but, like, it's hard for me to have any any warmth or relation to her and see her as anything less than a foil. I would say this, though. It's it's not necessarily the lines you gotta, you got to pay attention to. It's how she delivers it. I, you know, I, I, I've read some interviews. It's been a while, but I've read some interviews. And um, actually, I think it was at a Wizard World. She um, made an appearance there and did a Q and A. And I think it was her inspiration for the character were girls that she remembered back in high school. So she was just trying to emulate what they did, and I guess what she did as well. Um, she wasn't a wallflower like I am or anything. But um, it's it's not again what the the lines that what she said. It's how she delivered it that showed that there was there was something else there besides the oh my god type of girl. Yeah, I I also I think that um, it's interesting. I read that she had originally um, uh, auditioned to be Buffy um, and ended up just getting Cordelia instead. Um, I, I, I just didn't think that she was going to be a lasting character when I when I watched season one, and, and even when I go back to it, I still don't. I, I still have a hard time seeing it, but I, I see what you mean. I do. No, I, I like I do like the way they developed her as time went on in Buffy. Um, not to go jump into Angel, really, um, and we can talk about that maybe later or another time. Wasn't a fan of how she developed over there. Um, but as far as like in the Buffy series, yeah, no, I, I did love the way she grew. Um, yeah, and I didn't think they would bring her on as much to that point. And Xander, the fact that she comes home with Xander, <laughs> I, I thought was excellent. I thought that was like, you would never think that would ever happen. And the fact that that came about. I thought that was awesome. I, I, and I get your point too, but I, I, Xander, he's always felt a little off to me just based on how he treated his two main love interests on that series. He was not nice to Cordelia. He was also not nice to Anya. He treated them like dirt, frankly, a lot of the times. And then, you know, when they do something nice for him, that's when he grudgingly gives them um, some respect. He's treated Buffy like dirt, and he treated Willow like dirt. Not just the love interest. There I are times. But that's the thing. He was. I don't know. Did he treat him like dirt in the sense where a he was pining for Buffy? Buffy didn't. You know, she never looked at him that way. So it never. Like it looked. It was. I felt like it was more like he was bending a little backwards for anything for her, and kind of being like that little kid, like, "Hey, notice me, notice me," but she wasn't into it. Oh. So it's like you're right in the sense where was was he? No, I sh- let me backtrack. Was he really mean to Cordelia and Anya? Because the thing is, he hooked up with two girls. Well, a Cordelia was self-absorbed, so and it took her a while because for her to actually even be nice to him back, because that was just the dynamics of their relationship. 
And Anya was a demon who didn't know how to be in a relationship. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, that's, you can't go ahead. It's not like what you're describing is something I look at whenever I watch Big Bang Theory. It pisses me off where Leonard treats Penny like gold and Penny just abuses him. That, like, to me, is something like the way you're describing where, you know, she's treating him like crap and he is, like, there for her. I don't look at it that way with in Buffy with Sander at all because it was, it's just the personalities that he's hooking up with these girls. And I love how you give me shit for watching Spice World and you admit to watching The Big Bang Theory. Come on. Because it was funny in the beginning. Now I don't know. Like, every time I watch it, I'm You know, uh, the one thing I really love, and Buffy was the first show that I watched that ever really did this for me, is have characters that do things that I do not like. And then that'd be like just an, an active common thing that happens. Like you can totally understand why Xander does everything that he does. He is this quintessential just man. He's just a regular man that wants the things that men want from women and feel entitled to. And when he doesn't get it, he pouts, he's gross and he's hard to like, but at the same time, <laughs> He's just a man, and not a great one at that. (laughs) But he was a comic relief. I don't think he was hard to like. I feel like he was like the, I don't know if you're familiar with the Yiddish word. It's like somebody who's nebbish. Kind of like, you know, are you guys familiar with that term? I watch Howard Stern, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, it's, it's like... So you kind of feel bad for him. Totally. But he's also the comic relief. So it's like, you know, like, you know, he wants something that's completely out of his beliefs. But it's like, he's not, but he wasn't like a complete jerk. Because the thing is, like, he was a good friend. Like, he was friend-wise. Like, he was always there for them. Um, The only time, like, he really became that sort of a schmuck was when him and Willow started you know, starting started their little affair and cheated on, you know, Cordelia and Oz. Yeah, and that was just like one or two times that they did that too. It just seemed um, awfully, con- I don't know, just that whole Xander Willow uh, get together very briefly. I didn't. It, that served no sense to me. I mean, it, obviously, we knew up to that point that Willow had a, a longtime crush on Xander, and he ignored her. So, I, I, I but I just at that time, it, it, I, I didn't think Willow, when they finally did uh, start necking, as the old folks say, um, it, 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 I, I never got the sense that Willow was really that into him anymore. I think that when they started making out, that was just about a few episodes before Tara came, Tara arrived, I believe. Um, I, I, no, I'm, that was, they were still in high school no. during that point. Um, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, when they started yeah. Yeah, getting with it. 
Okay, but in season one, they ha- they started what they call the big bads. Every season, they have one big villain they have to defeat by the yeah. very end, and you know, not every episode necessarily relates to um, their struggle in defeating the big bad. But you know, the one, the important ones that do kind of make it to where if you watch every episode, you get a, a nice little souffle of television to watch, I guess. Um, but season one, we had the master. What did you think of the master? master? Bad makeup. Well, I'm trying to remember. Was the master... I can't remember. Was the master supposed to be like kind of like in the movie, though? I wasn't it. I don't think so. Um, I mean, don't quote me on that. I, I could be wrong, but I think the, any sort of connection with her past was nebulous. Um, I mean, that was also the same time in season one too, where they hinted that Angel had been um, watching Buffy for longer than she was in Sunnydale. He was in L.A. and yeah. saw her there. So I think if if there was mention of the Master about Buffy from the past, I think it was just Buffy having some of the lore having, you know, stories spread about her to that point. Yeah, I don't have any strong feelings about season one in The Master. Um, I definitely think it introduced the big bad and set set an expectation for what comes next out of the big bads. Um, But as far as personality goes, I don't know. It left something wanting, is I guess the way I'd put it. I'm glad he killed her, though. You're glad he killed Buffy? Yeah, yeah. We get we get extra slayers. So I definitely think that that was an important thing that was set up in, in season uh, one is the first time that Buffy gets killed. Yep. Oh, one thing about the actor. Wait, but, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Wait, Buffy got killed in season one? I don't remember that. Yeah, the master killed her. And um, Angel couldn't bring that. her back to life because he doesn't he doesn't breathe. So Xander had to save her. Right? Was that what it was? I think it was Xander that, that brought her back. Um, that's how uh, we get Kendra later on in season two as a Slayer. Kendra, Kendra. I don't. Oh my god! I sure don't remember this. The, she's the the Jamaican one, right? The Jamaican one. She with Mister Pointy. As her special state on the Slayer. <laughs> that kind of sounds familiar, but I just um, but, I'm so losing it. You remember Faith, though, right? When Kendra get dies, Faith, of course. I mean, yeah. everybody remembers Faith. I mean, I thought her character was amazing. The way they she she was like a good like um what's the word I'm looking for? Not like anti-Buffy, but it was kind of, you know, it was kind of like a play on, like, you know, here's a slayer who's not quite as good and who has her own demons and everything. The way I thought it was just really well done. I think with Faith, the way I see her is she's Buffy's id, nothing more. You know, she's everything Buffy's not. Buffy's controlled. Buffy, it, you know, t- tries to stay focused on one relationship at a time. Um, Buffy keeps her emotions in check for the most part, and Faith is the exact opposite. I think that's a great way to put it. I, I definitely also think like the 
the time and place in Buffy's life. If Cordelia reveals this opposite quality of Buffy in season one, when um, Faith comes about, it's right at the end of high school, right when she's becoming like an actual adult going into graduating out of um, high school and needing to be that adult and just ends up being that like opposite self again. Well, I think it's opposites in the sense where Cordelia was the opposite of, like, was Buffy high school version, you know, how she is in high school, and Faith is her alter, like, the the other part of her life of being a slayer. Right. You know, so I thought it was, like, that was kind of a good mix. Um, I thought, like, having that was well done. Um, The one thing, and I love, I do love the fact that they had, um... Seth Green into the cast. Um, just a quick side note, I know we're talking about Buffy and, <laughs> you know, the females on that, but as far as, like, for the guys going back to Willow and, you know, the whole love interest and all that, I loved Seth Green on this. Oz and is great. I hated, what? Go ahead, what? Sorry, I just said Oz is great. Oz was such a great character. I liked his character a lot, too. My thing that I hated, though, and this is what, my thing, okay, this is what it always comes down to, and this is like for every TV show or movie I ever watched. If a character's going to do something or something's going to happen, let it be part of their character. Let it be some, something that's there and not like all of a sudden, like, oh, all of a sudden we're just going to turn them gay just because, you know, whether it's like that's the in thing now, we want to target, you know, this audience. Let's just make her gay. Now, I get, like, yes, girls, when they, you know, get their hearts broken, they decide, okay, that's it, I'm going to go for the other team. But I don't know. There was just, like, no indication to me where it's, like, all of a sudden that she decided, like, you know, I did like Tara. I thought, like, their relationship was cool, but the fact that, like, all of a sudden, it was, I felt like it was just a switch that they and now it's like, you know, okay, Oz broke her heart, but actually she cheated on him. So it's kind of like, did she, you know, did he really break her heart? And now it's like all of a sudden she's just into women. Yeah. So that, that's the one thing that I had an issue with, with, with um, the writing, with Buffy and the characters. That's such a fair point, yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree. The once the relationship was, was like, with Tara and Willow was there, yeah, it was great, but it did seem uh, a forced way to, like, change her character. And uh, for me, too, I, I do I do take a little bit of offense at how Willow's portrayed at the end of Season 6 with Dark Willow. Um, I mean, it's great that, you know, she flayed Warren alive, um, but um, it, it, I don't know, just... That she what? I missed that. She flayed Warren. Remember when she ripped off uh, Warren's skin with magic? Wow, I don't remember anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what a great co-host you are. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm sick. Shut up. <laughs> Um, well, the end of uh, season six, though, it, it, it did strike me that they were just trying to play off the old stereotype of the angry lesbian. Ah, uh, okay. And it, it, it did, I mean, much to, to your point that her relationship with Tara, the, the initial spark between them felt 
just not there. You know, I think they could have handled Willow dealing with her rage a lot better than what they did. I think it was just they took the easy way out, and the easy way is not always the right way. Yeah, and it, uh, I, season six is problematic in a lot of ways. The whole um, magic as a as a metaphor for addiction, like it, it was just very kind of ham handed in a lot of ways uh, as portrayed in Willow. Who, by the way, Alison Hannigan, like such a great actress. There is almost nobody who like cries as well as she does. She is like such a perfect, gorgeous, ugly crier. Like. <laughs> I am with her every single time she's sad, but it it was still kind of a ham-handed storyline. So, as far as big bads go, like, if we consider Willow as a... I'm sorry to jump to season six on this. I don't know if we consider Willow the big bad or the three nerds as the big bad of season six. They are both the big bad because up to the point that Warren shoots uh, Tara and Buffy, those three guys, um, Warren, Andrew, and Jonathan, are the big bad. But once Warren kills, then Willow, in her rage, takes over. So for the last remaining episodes... And and that's another thing... I remember it. Yeah. Now I remember because yeah, it's the three guys. Okay, yeah. Now I remember. And, and that's the thing too with with Willow. It's it's I it, I get being having the rage seeing her her lover, the love of her life, killed in front of her. I get that rage, but how do you go from I want to. <laughs> But here's the thing, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but you just got to remember, she was killed, if I remember, wasn't it just like she was killed by a, a, a gun, a bullet? A it wasn't really bullet. by magic or anything. Yeah, not even intended for her. But my point is this, it's not her revenge against Warren, Jonathan, and Andrew, it's the fact that, you know, she skinned Warren, the the Scooby gang took Jonathan and Andrew and put them into hiding, and then, and then Willow's like, okay, let's just kill everybody. Didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have the whole world. Here's the thing. No, I kind of have to disagree on that because mm-hmm. that's the one thing. It's like, and that was something I don't think I had an issue with in the sense where that kind of felt like, that I felt like was kind of something that, yeah, if you have a loved one where all of a sudden randomly gets killed from like a straight bullet, that's like, you know, here they are. They're fighting evil, like, all the time. And this was something where they weren't fighting. Nothing evil necessarily was happening. And it was just a straight bullet that, you know, she's like, holy crap. It's the love of her life. Like, it's something that just should never have happened. So could we see her going off the deep end? Oh, totally. Did they maybe take it a little too far? But you know what? When someone is that much grief... It's totally something that's plausible. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, watch the news. I mean, how many psycho, you know, killings do we see every day and hear? It's, it's awful. So it's just something like in that aspect, I do kind of feel like that wasn't so far-fetched in that sense. I you know, for somebody to be so angry and upset. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think you're, you're you're right about that. The other half of it is how do you one up uh, the previous year's big bad where you're fighting a god, 
right? And the only way to do that is to have it be one of the main characters who's that big bad, and they're going to destroy the whole world. So, like, that was my take when I was in that season and when I was feeling like, oh, boy, wouldn't it have been nice if they just ended it right at the end of season five? I think there was a couple of times, they actually, I thought where that, like, ended, but because, like, Supernatural, the fans kept shouting, you know, we love it, don't end it, don't end it, so that's why, because, like, they did kill Buffy at one point, remember, and then, like, they brought her back to life. Yeah, the end of season Um, five, she was killed, and that was their last season on the WB. Season six was their first, uh, was their first season on UPN. Yeah. So it's something where it's like, which is interesting. Like I, I hate the, I hated um, of all the storylines of everything that came through. Which, by the way, I know we have to get into this discussion because people on Facebook were talking about how Angel is a pedophile. Yes, Jeremy, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that was great how you had mentioned that, but. Um, I'm also talking about Spike because we have to because I am all about Spike. But um, when that, I was never a fan of Dawn. Um, Just the way that character was and the way they, I thought it was interesting the way they introduced it where it's like one day it's like, oh, her sister and like everybody's looking at each other like, wait, what? (laughs) And obviously they did that because that was the storyline where it's like magic was just like, yeah, but he always had a sister. Of course she had a sister and it's like, you know, actually she was just the key that they were hiding to keep her safe. But I don't know. There was just something about I don't know. I felt like it was just a bad storyline. I just was not a Dawn fan whatsoever. She always annoyed me. I get it's supposed to be a little sister. A little sister's always annoying. I don't know. It's just, I I just, that was the one thing I think I really think done with that in the series. I will say this. My issue with Dawn is not the character itself. It's the fact that the season she appears is also the season that Buffy's mother dies. And then you never, ever hear from the father at all. And you're giving Buffy this responsibility of taking care of another person. And on top of that, it's, it's an, it, that kind of correlates with another issue I had with the later seasons. Um, and it's just, it's about little things. It's about how can Buffy quit college, work at essentially Burger King, do the slaying at night and still have more than enough money to, you know, keep the house that her mother owned, keep the lights on and, you know, have all those, you know, fancy JC Penney's casual catalog clothes that she does. And with that, another episode of Friends Talking Nerdies in the Books. Thank you all for listening. This is Tim Jowsma. Um, feel free to tune in next week where we're going to have part two of this conversation about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Once again, we'd like to thank uh, Jason for taking time out of his schedule to sit back and uh, chat with me and Maura. Um, as always, we would like to thank Christopher Lazaric for his wonderful theme song. Head over to ChristopherLazaric.com for information on how to purchase his EP, Here's to You, which is available 
available on all digital platforms. And speaking of all digital platforms, this week is the debut of Friends Talking Nerdy on the Google Play Store. So if you know somebody with an Android device that wants to hear Friends Talking Nerdy, Tell them to go to the Google Play Music Store, search for Friends Talking Nerdy, download, and subscribe. And if you have any other device as well, download, subscribe, rate our podcast, let us know how we're doing. Um, We want to make the best possible show we can for you all. Um, And with that, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week with part two. I, Anya, promise to cherish you. No, not cherish. Um, I promise to have sex with you whenever I want and uh, uh, pledge to be your friend, your wife, and your confidant, and your sex poodle. Uh, Sex poodle? Yeah, why? Um, I'm not sure you should say sex poodle in your vows. Huh.